The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. That very day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him, and he asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said to him in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, What sort of things? They said to him, The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. It did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those who were, some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke! Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures, and they approached the village to which they were going. He gave the impression that he was going on farther, but they urged him, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scripture to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem, where they found, found gathered together the eleven and those with them who were saying, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning I received a text message and I was told to preach my heart out today on this gospel, and so I shall. Um, the reason that that was said to me is, those that know you really well, and you guys are, are, are probably among that company now, um, some of my close friends that I have a small group with, one time we were talking, and then they were, they were like, Father, you always bring up the road to Emmaus, and I was like, no, I don't. And they were all like, yes, you do. <laughs> so sometimes you're just told, you know, my family's here, of course, your family and your friends, they know the way that you speak, and they know the things that you bring up all the time. And I guess I do bring this up a lot. But the reason that I bring it up is because of how important it really is. It's an important, pivotal moment. And in so many ways, the structure of the Mass is even more present in this than I realize almost each time that I read it. And so I'll start with this. 
when I was a little kid, I remember in New Jersey, we were given like a, a little bit of a tour of the church of some sort. And when, when we did that, um, they pointed out the tabernacle, but it was in a chapel. It wasn't actually in the tabernacle in, in the church at the time. And I remember the teacher, the catechist said, that's Jesus. And I remember, and it was like a square tabernacle. And I remember looking at this square golden box and I was just like, what? <laughs> you know, like I, I really didn't understand what she meant because it was a really inadequate description, right? It wasn't like, that's the tabernacle, and inside, do you know the pieces of bread that come here that then become Jesus and then are stored inside? It wasn't a description like that. It was like, that's Jesus, and I see this red candle, and I see a, bo a golden box, and I had no idea what she was talking about. Um, but I do remember, you know, since my parents are here, you know, they love the Eucharist and have a devotion to the Eucharist. I do remember my dad saying, again, it didn't quite click yet. I remember him saying, as Catholics, like, that the most important thing we have is, is the Eucharist, that is, that's really the body and blood of Christ. And I still didn't completely understand, but I did grow up hearing that. My, my dad reminded me of that, and he actually said it to me, so that when I was ready to hear it, I was like, oh, I've heard this before. So it's important that even if you're saying something and you think it might be falling on deaf ears, you know, when it does make sense to somebody, you'll be like, oh, like I have actually been hearing this before. So it's still important to actually say the thing, right? Of course, the first day of the week, the resurrection, Sunday, when we come to gather to celebrate the Eucharist, of course, you guys, most of you do that every day, but, but Sunday for a lot of other folks, of course, that's the first day that they're gathering around in this moment here, right? And they don't recognize Jesus. And I talk about the journey a lot. The way that we get to know one another is the same way that we get to know the Lord of the universe, through conversation and time spent together. And so they're walking with him just as Jesus walked with other people so that they can get to know one another. That's essentially what our prayer life is driven toward, is to actually have a conversation and a relationship with Jesus so we know who he is, and he knows who, who we are. That, that's what true intimacy really is. Intimacy is knowing and being known, to, to be vulnerable enough to, to be able to do that with somebody else. Um, it's not something that's only relegated to the sexual realm or something like that. Intimacy is knowing another person, knowing about them. And so one of the things that's amazing in this scene, too, that, that I don't think I realized as, as much before, is that at that point, when they're saying you don't know, like, oh, you don't realize who this is or, like, what's going on, like, everything about Jesus in these days. And then, of course, as he's going through all of these different sections, it says, then beginning with Moses and the prophets, prophets, he interpreted to them all that would need to happen. It's essentially like a Eucharistic prayer. You know, some of our Eucharistic prayers are a recap of the salvation history. It's like, did you not know that the son had to die? and to rise again, the mystery of faith, you know. So all the aspects right there, what he's basically giving them is a Eucharistic prayer. He's explaining this is what had to happen to the Christ. And this is how it happened from the beginning of salvation history. And then it's the breaking of the bread that he's truly made known to them. But again, the reason that it's so unbelievably important is because just like He's not apparent to us when we look at the tabernacle or I didn't understand that that's Jesus when somebody just pointed at the tabernacle. 
he vanishes from their sight because from that moment in history, the way that all human believers would know Jesus Christ primarily is in that Eucharistic Christ. Because as soon as he ascends into heaven 40 days later, he is no longer walking around in his human form with people anymore. And so the very way that all of the rest of humanity would know Christ the best, that would, we'd be able to receive him the best, is in the Eucharist until he comes again, until his actual second coming. And so this is one of the greatest transitional points in the whole entire gospel. Why does Jesus vanish from them? Because that's what it's like for us. We see him in his Eucharistic presence, but we don't see him in his bodily presence. And so it's, it's something that was a foreshadowing of everything that is going to come until we see him again in our life. That's why the Eucharist is so important for us. It is the thing that can transform us. We say this often about other things, from the inside out. That's exactly what we want it to do. And, and I mention this a lot too, but you know, I, we're living, breathing tabernacles, temples of the Holy Spirit, which is in us. Even the time that we spent in prayer and Eucharistic adoration as amazing and wonderful as those moments are to continue to get to know Christ, he is the most close to us. It's the most intimate moment when we actually receive him in the Eucharist, even though we cannot see him. But blessed are those who believe without seeing. And so every single time that we receive him, that's, and that's what I want every one of us to do today. Today, in this moment, it's just like exactly what St. Peter said. I can't give you gold, I can't give you silver, I can't even give you a whole lot of wisdom, but I can give you Jesus because Jesus gave us the priesthood and for some reason he called me to be a priest. And so I can give you him. I can't give you any riches or anything else in the world, but I can give you him. But that's the greatest riches that we have. So when we're here, when that Eucharistic host is elevated, when it's broken before you, when you get to receive him, ask him today, to transform you, every particle of that Eucharist, let it transform every particle of you. And you could say it, something like that. It doesn't have to be in those exact words, but some words like that when you receive our Lord today. It's like, Lord, I want you to transform me from the inside out. Every particle of this Eucharistic host, I want to change every particle of me that needs to change to be more like you. Sorry, there's no way that I would be able to preach with my parents here all week without crying at least one time. And so I guess it would happen in the last Mass that they're here with us. Um, but that's how important it is. That's, that's what Christ in the Eucharist is for us until Christ comes again to humanity. So today, let him change you. Ask him to do that in this, in this reception of the Holy Communion. And that every single time you receive him, that he fills you up, changes you more to be like him, so that when you see him again, you'll be like, ah, my beloved sons and daughters, I've been waiting for you. I know you. God bless you all.